It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back, everybody. Today on the show, Francis Jackson. I always like to refer to him as Action Jackson. You know, him... uh, him and his team do such a valuable service, not just for our veterans, but really for America. They hold our government accountable that sometimes it's a hard thing to do. They, they make them hold the promises um, that they promised our veterans. So uh, just in case, friends, and you don't know Francis Jackson, uh, Francis Jackson is an attorney who specializes in disability law as well as social, social security disability law. Um, He's a founding partner of Jackson McNichol. Francis has been featured on NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox Network affiliates around the country. Francis was honored by the National Academy of Best-Selling Authors with a Quilly Award as a joint author to the best-selling book, Protect and Defend, where he wrote about protecting one's rights to veterans' disability compensation. In 2017, Mr. Jackson was inducted into America's Most Trusted Lawyers for his outstanding work in disability law. I urge everyone here for more information, to help out our veterans, to help out your own families. Check out VeteransBenefits.com. Francis Jackson, welcome back. Thanks so much, Bert. I always enjoy having the chance to chat with you. Have we lost you? Hello? Can you hear me? Oh. Anyway, hopefully he'll dial back in. We'll get it going. Uh, Let's stand by. All right. Hey, Bert. You're back. I am. Can you hear me? I loud and clear. We good to go? Yep. Yep. All right. So anyway, I'm glad you're on the show. I've, I've been I've been following some issues, and uh, that I think are important to our our VA, our veterans. I'm sorry. And one of them is a problem of cancer causing uh, chemicals. Um, you know, I think the most popular one, for lack of better terms, the most common one is the water at Camp Lejeune. Uh, what's going on there? Well, um, there have been really two very big developments there, Bert. Um, but let me, let me, if I may, start out by reminding uh, veterans who are listening that if you were exposed to the water at Camp Lejeune uh, any time from 1953 up into the 1980s and you've developed any health issues uh, and you want to uh, move for compensation, financial compensation for that, you have to file your claim by August of this year. So um, the, the clock is ticking. But in terms of developments, Bert, two, two very large developments. First, there's a decision by the four federal judges that sit in the um, Eastern District of North Carolina where these Camp Lejeune cases are being uh, handled. And they have decided um, that even though Congress said there's a right to a jury trial in these cases, 
that Congress didn't say that specifically enough, and there's no right to a jury trial. You have to have a bench trial, um, trial to just a judge, no jury. So that's going to be a, uh, uh, an issue that obviously uh, some folks are, are going to appeal that. Other folks are just going to try to go ahead and get their cases pushed through. It's, uh, it's created quite the, uh, quite the uproar uh, among the folks who are applying for compensation. So that's probably the, the biggest piece of news. But the other piece of news, in some ways more important, is there's a um, new study out by um, the uh, Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry, which is part of the CDC. And they've been working on uh, the uh, issues at Camp Lejeune for quite a while. And as you and I have talked about before, right now, the Department of Justice recognizes nine health conditions related to the contaminated water. Kidney cancer, liver cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, leukemia, bladder cancer, multiple myeloma, kidney disease, systemic sclerosis, and Parkinson's, which is wow. quite a list. But the important part of this new study is they found there are a lot more. Um, one of the most unusual, I, I would say, is male breast cancer, uh, where men develop essentially uh, breast cancer uh, in, the, in the fat deposits over the pectoral muscles. Um, so that's one that nobody had thought was around. There's another blood cancer called um, polycythemia vera. Um, there are... Uh, I, I never pronounce these properly, but myelodysplastic and myeloproliferative sim syndromes, which are wow. disorders caused by blood cells that don't work right. And then um, lots of, uh, lots of um, digestive tract type cancers, uh, cancer of the esophagus, the voice box, the thyroid, um, and the surrounding soft tissue, uh, as well as uh, some types of lung cancer, and uh, lymphoma so it's all uh, it's all pretty wild and um, the that's that's for the veterans who were there um, the study of the of the civilian population who was exposed people who worked on the base or lived on the base uh, also produced uh, higher uh, uh, kinds higher ex you know incidence of uh, uh, female uh, breast cancer and uh, oral cancers um, and a particular kind of bladder cancer. So it's it's uh, it's a real mess, frankly. Um, but um, this new study coming out in the in the time it has at least will allow people with these other conditions to have medical research to rely on in filing their claims, which, again, I want to remind our listeners, have to be filed by uh, August 22nd of this year. Um, you have to file a claim with the Department of the Navy, um, or you're or you lose out. This is this is the uh, the end of the two-year period that Congress allowed. So uh, it's 
is file the claim or lose the claim by August. But uh, you know, that's those are the uh, the the big issues with uh, the Camp Lejeune uh, mess. So you know, if anyone listening is uh, is uh, uh, suffering from any of those conditions or has a spouse or parent that died of those conditions, they should seek out uh, help to uh, get a claim filed within the, the allowed period because anyone who doesn't file by August of this year is out and the end of, end of uh, possibility claims. And the deadline for that is August 22nd, 2024. That's correct. That's correct. And, man, let me tell Not you guys, a- please, I want to have everybody share this information because August is going to be here sooner than we think. It is. Time, time's a, time's a fleeting, as they say. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, and this reminds me, um, you know, th- there's also been a lot of issues, a lot of concerns about these PFAS or what, what they call these forever chemicals everywhere. Um, what, what uh, any development on these nasty little buggers? Well, a couple of things are going on there, Bert. Um, you know, as, as, uh, as you just mentioned, uh, they found PFAS chemicals at lots of um, military bases, particularly air bases, because uh, it was most commonly used by the military in firefighting foam. So um, lots of uh, firefighting teams that either used the firefighting foam in emergencies or uh, more commonly trained with it for emergencies uh, were exposed but uh, the, uh, the Department of Defense is, is actually making some efforts to clean up the mess there. Um, for example, in, uh, in Michigan at the former base there, um, uh, Wardsmith uh, Air Force Base, they, uh, they are now uh, installing two more groundwater treatment systems there to try to contain and clean up the, uh, the PFAS there. But um, you know, the the problem is that this stuff is just so widespread, it seems like. I mean, and I, I think if you if you look at the history, that makes sense. You know, a lot of the places where these problems have, have cropped up are bases that either were created in the World War II era or were substantially expanded in that period. And so you're talking about bases that were put together at a time when Nobody was worried a lot about uh, the the impact of uh, what they were doing uh, right. 70 or 80 years later. They were worried about trying uh, not to lose World War II to the Germans and uh, the Japanese. So uh, they weren't paying a lot of attention to to uh, you know safety issues and and more than that, you know back then nobody really understood that. Uh, you could create uh, cancer from a lot of these things that that never would have crossed people's mind. But right. it's uh, you know you you've got a a real mess. I mean uh, Fort Ord, for example, in uh, in California, um, you know the uh, the folks there have uh, uh, been exposed to all kinds of stuff. The uh, the environmental pollution 
at that particular site is so bad, it was designated as a Superfund cleanup site in 1991 by EPA. And wow. Part of, parts of that installation were so badly polluted that the EPA has just shut them down and said this this land can't ever be redeveloped. It's just it's not redeemable. It's so bad. So you know you've got uh, you've got lots of problems with that. And uh, for example, the Fort Ord folks uh, uh, seems to have produced a, a large number of people with blood cancers. Uh, among other things, so uh, you know you've got you've got that at Fort Ord, uh, you've got uh, Fort McClellan in Alabama that was shut down, and, and Fort McClellan was home of the Chemical Corps School, the Army Development Command for Chemical and Biological Weapons. Um, so uh, again, you know there's a serious risk of uh, of problems from there. In, in addition. Uh, Fort McClellan is uh, is located near Anniston, Alabama, where there was a Monsanto chemical plant, and they ended up settling with the residents of the town for $700 million in 2003 because of all the PCBs that they had been um, putting into the, the groundwater in that area. So it's it's just a it's just a mess. You know there are there are lots of uh, Lots of folks around. Um, you know, we've we've talked about the firefighters, and uh, their particular one seems to be testicular cancer. That seems to be the most common one. You've got military aviation crews that have higher rates of brain and nervous system cancers. You've got folks in the the missile group uh, who have uh, got high rates of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And one that took me by surprise is that female troops have a higher, a 40% higher chance of developing breast cancer than their civilian counterparts, which just seems mind-boggling to me. I mean, 40% higher chance of risk, you know, is, is substantial. So, it's huge. Yeah, you've got all that going on. And uh, the, other, the other one that really took me by surprise, post-9-11 veterans have twice the diagnosis rate of ALS, which, as you know, is inevitably fatal um, right. and very unpleasant. So um, it's uh, it's really a mess. And you know the uh, the PACT Act, uh, which also uh, established the entitlement to bring these claims for uh, cancers and other problems from uh, Camp Lejeune, uh, did open up a, uh, a pathway for a lot of these folks to uh, both make claims for compensation and to seek medical treatment. But unfortunately, there are, there are still lots of uh, veterans out there whose claims have to go through the whole difficult route of, uh, of proving service connection. Mm. Just, just a reminder, what, what is going on here is the PACT Act um, kind of creates a, a shortened or easier process, if you will, for certain kinds of claims, uh, ones that uh, are called presumptive claims, and that's that list of cancers we talked about a minute ago in the beginning. Right. Um, but for, 
for uh, conditions that aren't on the list of presumptives, then the veteran has to go through the entire process, uh, which consists of showing that there's a current condition, showing a relationship back to service, and providing medical proof that the events in service, what we're talking about here primarily is exposures, um, caused the current problems. And, you know, the, uh, the reality is that the government has not had a good track record of stepping up and acknowledging the problems that uh, uh, these uh, chemical exposures have, uh, have caused. But, um, in fact, it's fair to say that the Department of Defense in particular uh, has pretty consistently denied the existence of problems that even when they had the facts and knew that there was a problem, just doesn't reflect particularly well on the U.S. government. But um, the good news is that with the PACT Act, uh, Congress has really drawn attention to these kinds of claims. And as a result, a lot more folks are, A, recognizing that they may have a valid claim and, and entitlement to treatment, which is in some ways more important. And B, uh, caused other folks to be thinking about whether there were exposures that um, are relevant to them. For example, these folks at Fort Ord uh, with the, uh, the blood cancers, uh, that sort of thing. So right. it's, uh, it's, uh, it's really a, a kind of a, a seminal moment, if you will, in, in veterans benefits law as far as uh, these exposure cases go because the uh, the VA is uh, being forced to treat these cases much more seriously. Uh, I, I'd have to tell you that they're still not granting a lot of these cases uh, quickly and easily in in exposure cases, but uh, they're at least kind of on the radar now, and uh, there's a lot more um, appreciation of the fact that these folks have potentially valid claims and may be entitled to benefits and can uh, be encouraged to, to submit the claims and to pursue them. And, you know, eventually, uh, I think that the tide will turn on, uh, on more of these. Um, it's, uh, it's just a, a, a difficult process to kind of get these things to uh, critical mass, if you will, but right. the fact that, you know, the, the acknowledgement that, uh, uh, that uh, these exposures are uh, genuinely uh, a basis for entitlement to benefits and medical care, uh, a lot more people are looking at these issues now. And I think we'll see uh, some further improvement in the process with the possibility of more conditions being presumptive. But... Uh, so far, um, there's still lots of folks who uh, were apparently exposed who are not eligible for presumptions and uh, are just going to have to do it the old hard way. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and for everybody today, 
if you have questions or if you know of a family, and I don't want to sound like a broken record or like an infomercial, but I care about our veterans. Uh, obviously, Francis Jackson and his team care about veterans. And so if you have questions or if you know of anybody, please check out veteransbenefits.com, veteransbenefits.com. bunch of great information there. Uh, let me ask you this real quick. Um, another uh, another issue uh, that I've seen lately, uh, and, and maybe you, you, you kind of, I don't know, you kind of touched on this, so I don't want to just completely uh, beat this to death, but one of the other things I've seen is, is our service personnel being exposed to radiation, and then that course that sets off a bunch of other health issues. Uh, any, any thoughts on this? Yeah, Bert, there's, there is some, um, there's some interesting news along those fronts. Um, the, uh, you know, we've talked about several bases here, but the, the Long Beach Naval Shipyard in California, um, uh, apparently, uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, based on what they did, uh, is, is, uh, has been determined to have high levels of radiation, including radium-226 and strontium-90. But, um, you know, lots of folks worked at that shipyard. I mean, that that uh, was a huge, huge base from the 40s I mean, uh, into the 70s. And uh, not only uh, uh, Long Beach, but also the... Uh, uh, there's a 100-point uh, uh, facility in the San Francisco area that uh, has also uh, turned up uh, evidence of uh, uh, lots of uh, radiation. Hunter's um, Point Naval Shipyard uh, is, the, is the actual name. But, um, again, it's one of those where the government has just not been forthcoming um, you know, two uh, two government contractors were sentenced in federal court for falsifying uh, records, saying that uh, the soil levels there were safe when they in fact hadn't hadn't even test, been tested, and that didn't become public until after the uh, as a nonprofit, the Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility filed a, a FOIA request and got those uh, got those records showing that. Uh, there was a, a widespread pattern that, uh, as they put, uh, as they put it, appeared to show deliberate falsification. In other words, uh, the, doc- the documents have been doctored, as it were. So wow. it's, uh, it's just not good. And, and there have been there have been these other things in uh, in Hawaii. There was this uh, the Red Hill bulk fuel storage facility. Uh, 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 leaked leaked fuel and uh, poisoned a whole bunch of people through the by getting the fuel into the water supply. And, you know, it's 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 just a a widespread problem. And the uh, the biggest problem and the, the thing I really really would like to get out to our listeners is that if you if you were in the service and uh, had some uh, now. Now, now have some uh, strange uh, cancer, then uh, you should look into the possibility that there was an environmental exposure at one of the places that you were stationed. It's uh, 
it's becoming uh, more and more obvious that, A, there's a huge amount of uh, these exposure uh, cases out there, uh, and B, that uh, notwithstanding the PACT Act, the government is just not uh, being uh, very forthcoming about it. Yeah. And, and, you know, unfortunately, this is a major problem. I mean, this is no different. And, and, and this is what, to me, is so fascinating, uh, that here we are. We're in the 2000s, and we still cannot trust our government to be transparent with us. You're asking our young people to put their life at, put their life at risk, and then – you're poisoning them. You know that you're doing this harm. You refuse to acknowledge it. Once you get caught, then it's still you got to jump through all these hoops. This is this is why VeteransBenefits.com is so crucial because our veterans cannot hold the government accountable by themselves. It is a problem. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. It's a problem. Yeah, and and. And it's, and it's not just this military or service personnel. There's obviously civilian personnel that work at these bases that can also be exposed, but it's also uh, the families that it affects. The, the, so, so this is, you know, for everybody listening, let, let's, let's really make this a thing. Um, let's, let's hold our, our people accountable, and let's protect our veterans who are trying to protect us. Let me ask you this. Um, have there been any recent developments regarding uh, other toxic exposures to uh, our, our, our service personnel? Well, we've uh, we've kind of jumped around and you know, talked about most of those, but yes, um, you know the, uh, the the biggest ones uh, really have been um, the ones that we've uh, that we've primarily mm-hmm. touched on, but the. Uh, these cancers, uh, it's just, um, it, it, it's truly amazing the extent to which uh, we are finding that these various chemicals cause cancer. The, the firefighters with the testicular cancer, these, this recent uh, uh, report on the uh, uh, Camp Lejeune facility and all of these additional cancers that they've discovered as uh, as being related to, <clears throat> excuse me, as being related to exposure to the chemicals there, um, it it really has become uh, an incredible problem. And one of the most pervasive is is one that we touched on only briefly: the PFAS chemicals. What right. what happens to those chemicals is they don't break down. Um, essentially, the chemical compounds are so stable that unlike most chemical compounds, they don't break down over time. So the PFAS chemicals, particularly around the areas that have uh, air bases, uh, have been seriously problematic. Um, Those uh, just uh, build up and eventually disseminate into the local groundwater supply. So those tend to affect non-military members, civilians who live in the area of uh, air bases, uh, much more than some of these other exposures that have been primarily limited to uh, actual service members. So uh, a lot of civilian uh, 
who were uh, living in the area of various uh, air bases, uh, whether they're spouses of, uh, of military members or children uh, who lived in areas near the base, or uh, employees, uh, civilian employees who live near the base. Uh, a lot of those folks have been affected, and so uh, that's an, an area that is really just now being explored in terms of uh, trying to hold the, uh, the military uh, liable to compensate those folks. So um, that's an area that I think is really going to see a lot of development over the next few years. Sure. Yeah. So, okay, so so it sounds like it sounds like total uh, bedlam out there because, I mean, we have, uh, you know, we've talked so much about different things that can be harming our service personnel. And so obviously all of this is, is going to uh, expand the requirement or, or, you know, we have to expand access to the health care of our veterans. What is the VA doing? Because, uh, I mean, we're, we're talking about it sounds like, like the claims are going to like double or triple here shortly. Well, Bert, um, there are two two things that the veterans the, the VA has been doing. One on the Veterans Benefits Administration side, they've been hiring lots of uh, folks to to process these claims, and they're starting to bring um, artificial intelligence to bear on on uh, some of these claims to try to to uh, deal with them more quickly and effectively. But on the healthcare side, the big push has been to hire more folks and make uh, treatment available on a much broader basis. Um, and the VA really, I, I think, really stepped up last year and hired, hired lots of people both on the claims processing side and on the uh, health side. Um, the problem is, as you know, we've, we've got this impasse in Washington where it's very hard for any kind of legislation to get passed. So what happens is because the House and the Senate and uh, you know the, the uh, executive branch can't all uh, get on the same page about budgets, a lot of departments, including the VA, are being primarily funded through what are called continuing resolutions. And so right. the VA is now uh, finding that they, are, they no longer have enough money to keep expanding on the healthcare side, and they're, they're uh, having to tell folks to, uh, uh, to back off on hiring and uh, to not add staff. And in some cases, they've told uh, medical center directors that they can't uh, fill vacancies with external hires. They can, they can move people internally, but they can't, they can't fill vacancies with, uh, with new hires. So um, it's a, uh, it's a, you know, the people that I hear talking about these things often seem to think that somehow this fuss about budgets is just an abstraction that doesn't really have anything to do with real people on a day-to-day -day basis, but it really does. Uh, when you talk about the political impasse, you know, and, and the, uh, the budgeting, what happens is that you have agencies like the Social Security Administration who are now 
having to close their offices part of the time. Uh, they're uh, reducing their uh, their staff in uh, a lot of the district offices uh, because the the staffing is now less than it was ten years ago. Uh, wow! Despite the fact that there's an increase in demand, you know, and, and it's because the the um, the budget increases. While there have been budget increases, they have not been sufficient to keep up with the costs of rising salaries and health care and office space and all the other things that agencies pay for in order to put people on the ground to, to provide services to us. And it's the same at the VA. They're, they're, uh, the VA got a lot of special funding with the PACT Act, and, and so they're, they're not getting hurt as badly as some other agencies. But Social Security in particular is suffering. So it's, a, it's an ongoing problem, and I don't, you know, obviously uh, I don't think it's going to get resolved tomorrow. I don't think Congress and the Senate are going to get straightened out any time in the next few years. But it's a mess, and folks that, that are not seeing the direct effects um, need, to, need to really be... Uh, have their eyes open to the fact that these these fights over over things in Congress really do affect us day to day at home. Yeah, that's incredible, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. Uh, we hear the stuff about budgets, and and uh, and you watch our lawmakers uh, squabble over these budgets, but they do affect millions of people, not just our veterans, but you pointed out social, social security, then there's Medicare, Medicaid, and it, 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 it's, a, it's a real deal. It's not some, uh, we call it uh, victimless crime, for lack of better terms. It's, it's real people who really need the help. It's true, and it's, it's sad we don't seem to be able to solve it, but it, it just doesn't seem to be getting any better. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're out of time, but I want to do the shout out one more time and have everybody check out veteransbenefits.com, veteransbenefits.com. Uh, Fran says, I am grateful for your team and, and the fact that you guys do really important work, and, and thank you for taking care of our vets. Thank you, Bert. It's always a pleasure to have the opportunity to, to chat with you and to know that lots of folks out there are getting the opportunity to hear about these issues. All righty. Thank you so much. Good stuff there from Francis Jackson. Check out Francis Jackson and his team at veteransbenefits.com. Also, let's not forget this deadline. I'm going to put it in the show notes, but this deadline is deadly important, deadly serious. Yes, pun intended. August 22nd, 2024. If you want to be compensated for Camp Lejeune, get this done. Go to veteransbenefits.com, get some help. It's free. They will advise you for free. They will tell you what you need to do. Go there, check it out. Remember to share this episode with everyone you know. And uh, remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com. <laughs>